last month, I believe on July the 4th, the uh, Spirit Rock uh, Center was uh, opened here. And some of you may uh, regard it as an uh, uh, extraordinary and remarkable uh, journey coming to a certain uh, uh, fulfillment with the opening of the center and, of course, the uh, uh, beginnings and extension of uh, a, a journey already underway. And I can recall back to a couple of decades ago when uh, uh, James uh, Barras and a small network of people in the Bay Area were meeting together regularly and at that time there was the occasional uh, short retreats, there were uh, evening talks, a very small number of um, meditation groups and perhaps um, unbeknown to most of those uh, at that time during the mid-latter part of the 1970s, uh, remarkable and special seeds were being sown and a response taking place in the hearts of women uh, and men wishing and quite determined to see something uh, actually flower. And I know from uh, the regularity of my uh, visits uh, here, annual visits uh, since uh, 1982, it's given me the wonderful opportunity to keep really abreast as much as possible of the determinations of uh, hundreds of uh, uh, people uh, in the Sangha. And through this uh, period of time that's uh, taken place, obviously it would be uh, hopeless and rather futile to mention all the countless people who have contributed to making what is happening uh, around us uh, take place. But one of the important and somewhat unusual features uh, uh, of that, if I may say, is the, in the area of the roles and uh, responsibilities of the uh, teachers, the early uh, teachers, of course, of James Barras, uh, Jack Cornfield, uh, and others. But uh, uh, also the kind of spirit in which the teachings have been and continue to be both transmitted here and elsewhere. And what I have in mind uh, in saying that is it's not unusual, of course, that uh, uh, the way of uh, communication um, has been through certain kind of roles of uh, guru to disciple, the strong devotional uh, factor. And this has, in conventional religious life, often been a major uh, inspiration for uh, the generosity of support. But the teachers in the Dharma network, in our Sangha, uh, wor worldwide, started from the very beginning to uh, take uh, deliberately and purposefully uh, a way of approach which was twofold. And one, is, one of those is, of course, to make as effective and as potent and as significant as possible the communication, the transition, the transmission of both uh, teachings and practices and in a way which wasn't at the expense of friendship, which wasn't at the expense of the fact that each and every one of us are 
friends in the Dharma, friends in the, the Sangha, and in that communication, keeping that uh, friendship and intimacy well established. And that has been done to, a, I think, a very, very uh, remarkable degree, so that teachers can say uh, with each other, and of many people here, we are friends in the Sangha and good friends in the Sangha, and some of us have the immense privilege of some authority in the Sangha uh, as teachers. And I remember a couple of decades ago when uh, uh, with Jack and um, uh, Joseph, Sharon, uh, Christina and uh, uh, my, myself, sometimes referred to as the, uh, the Gang of Five, that, in, that one of our priorities, and it was an important uh, priority, we were in our late twenties and early thirties uh, during this period, was to ensure to the best of our ability the uh, continuity of an extraordinary two-and-a-half-thousand-year-old tradition, and that in no way whatsoever did we want to water it down. In no way did we want to uh, let go, uh, move away from the very uh, trust and support and encouragement that we had received from our teachers in coming to the West, West to establish uh, the Dharma uh, teachings. And so quite often, I and I know uh, uh, the other uh, early teachers as well found ourselves in various times looking over our uh, uh, shoulder um, metaphorically and occasionally actually to uh, ensure and see that the body of the teachings of depth of uh, uh, ethics, awareness, uh, deep insightful meditation, the opening of the heart and uh, exploring what freedom really means in daily life that we were keeping in touch and in contact with that to the very uh, best of our ability. And of course now with the passing and the, uh, the passage of time um, as it takes place, I think as teachers we have uh, grown into a certain confidence and understanding. And of course some of the primary uh, teachers, Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Buddhadasa, um, uh, Mahasi Sayadaw and others ha have passed. And so in the passing of one uh, generation it makes the responsibility of the Sangha and of the teachers even more significant and more important. And I think one of the reflections of that in recent years is that we are not so much in terms of this uh, remarkable tradition looking uh, uh, backwards as it were, looking over our shoulder, but looking at the present situation, uh, the remarkable ways in, in a couple of decades that the teachings not only are taking place, but equally important are deeply taking uh, root. And so then we, we uh, um, uh, look uh, occasionally, I hope, um, into the mirror and uh, we, we, we see the uh, grey hairs uh, zooming out in all the directions, um, the extra lines on the face, and not even the best uh, cosmetics seem to make any difference. <laughs> and, and it reminds us uh, well and fervently um, at the beginning of the day of the passage of time, and therefore in that, uh, of course, uh, the importance of the fresh generations of teachers that are coming into being. 
and that here, as in other parts of the world, is truly uh, 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 taking place. And some of the newer teachers that are coming to being are uh, at, uh, giving support to are, are in their late uh, uh, mid twenties, late twenties, and who have been all their adult life uh, uh, into the Dharma. And I remember when I went to see uh, Ajahn Damodaro, my uh, Vipassana teacher in southern Thailand, who my, my first retreat, if I may say, was uh, three years and uh, uh, three months. And in, um, so some of you will think eight days or six days is eternity. Uh, and, and I remember in the contact and communications uh, with him, uh, he's... Um, uh, he was then my, my age, uh, 54, and someone sees one generation coming into another genera generation. And it's important, therefore, and equally, teachings are solid, deep in our heart, deep in our uh, being, and therefore find ways for their expression, countless ways. One of the important things which has been taking place uh, here uh, during the last decade is a remarkable and inspiring um, outreach program. And it's become uh, um, a model and uh, a reference point um, in many other parts of the, parts of the world. The, uh, one of the reflections of that, of course, is through the, uh, the newspaper, The Inquiring uh, Mind, as well as a number of you who travel overseas uh, regularly to uh, keep us uh, informed. And that uh, outreach uh, uh, program um, now, of course, is consolidated substantially with a very profound in-reach one right on the site. And each and every person here in this hall this evening is a contributor to uh, the depth of uh, insight and uh, uh, the deepening of meditation. And I do feel and suspect and um, I'm sure that it will have a very... Uh, extraordinary and beneficial uh, influence um, far and wide in terms of the events that take place inside this hall, inside this magnificent hall. And never to under and underestimate in any way whatsoever those of you who are perhaps on your first retreat here or are rather new to the whole process of meditation for insight and realization, the extraordinary transformative power of it. It is quite remarkable. And some of the men and women on this earth that I, I love, I love to bits, I love them, all have spent their time on the cushion. Some of them named major names in this world, Nobel Prize winners and, and Nobel Prize nominees and fellow members of the board of the uh, Buddhist uh, Peace Fellowship and people who are truly committed to the resolution of suffering in this world in all of its ways. Many speak highly of the incredible significance, all of them do, that I know, of time meditating, to meditate on existence, to meditate on I, on my, on the self, on what it is to be in this world and what matters. And teachings of remind us and continue to remind us of the extraordinary importance of all of this. One of the aspects, and again, 
with the Spirit Rock community has been a very uh, important uh, area. And, and anywhere where there is uh, genuine um, initiatives and genuine endorsement and encouragement uh, taking place, it has its little element of uh, areas for awareness as well. And what I have here in mind in the, the Sangha, both here and in many other parts of the world, is the time-honoured principle of the right, and it's an important right, this, of the right to explore, of the right to inquire. And some of us, as uh, servants of the Dharma and as Dharma uh, teachers, have regularly uh, expressed a concern when people with some influence, uh, uh, religious uh, teachers, spiritual authorities or whatever, have uh, persuaded or told or, in or encouraged one to stay with one teacher or one practice or one tradition and one method or whatever and not move uh, outside of that. It can be and all too very easily and uh, uh, quickly uh, become a form of uh, imprisonment and a form of dependency and therefore it begins to go against the, the teachings of a, a genuinely liberated uh, life. And I think if any of the teachers in our uh, uh, community worldwide uh, started uh, putting out this is the only way, only this and nothing else, I think the rest of the teach would, teachers would probably roast that teacher for, um, for such a, a clinging to such conceited views. And therefore, in the communication of the teachings and communication uh, of, of the, the practice, that wonderful statement uh, uh, of, the, of the Buddha, where the statement is, see for oneself through one's experience. It doesn't need us as uh, uh, teachers to say to you only this and nothing else or, or whatever or try to persuade anyone in, in uh, any, any way. If something is worthwhile, valuable and insightful, people will come. People are getting benefit from it and see that it's something meaningful in one's life, then people will come. People will come and gain insight. It may, in that insight and in that understanding of oneself, may also have the right and have the opportunity to explore where that is beneficial, whoever, wherever. And as teachers, and as you know, those of you who know us, we have said this again and again. We have protected and supported people's right to explore. We've been happy when people have said, uh, I'm going to enter into this, I'm going to engage this, I'm going to be involved in this, I'm going to spend time uh, doing, doing this. And because it's not a possessive, clinging kind of uh, tradition, it's one which respects people's right to explore. Because we're not afraid of exploration because we encourage it in our own lives as you know many of the teachers do and we feel it's as obviously the same right for for the students for the sangha itself so it's not a, a tradition which is of being in and being out holding on to and throwing out the, the, the smell of that is wretched M more important in is as seeing through one's experience what is valid
But in the exploration, sometimes, as I say, sometimes there is a little danger in all of this uh, of uh, watering down. And sometimes, uh, here as elsewhere, one gets in the inevitable uh, gossip line um, uh, little mentions and references, uh, little, not so little, sometimes uh, uh, to this in, uh, in various ways. And as an example of, uh, uh, of what I mean and what I'm referring to here, that there are particular threads and themes which do have an emphasis, and it's an important emphasis. Um, as an example, uh, emphasis in the uh, insight meditation tradition in uh, Vipassana, one of them of is obvious, it's mindfulness. Being a conscious and mindful human being. And there's something deeply important about that in the service of one's own life and in the service of others. But it would be an awful mistake to place it at the centre of the stage. It's a feature of the teachings. It's a feature of the practice. It's only one link in the Eightfold Path. It's not the Eightfold Path. And even worse, it's not the end of it. There are people who um, will speak about um, seeing impermanence. It's another old chestnut that does the rounds. Uh, <laughs> and as though practice or awareness or mindfulness or meditation is um, just seeing things come and go, just seeing things rise and fall, coming and passing, and that's what it's uh, all about. It is most certainly not. And yet somehow this view can arise and one forgets the seeing of impermanence is of course a feature to be in touch with the way the world appears to us, the way it seems to be, and as a helpful and valuable contribution to cutting through things where there is clinging and holding going on. And if you and I don't have some wisdom and some understanding about the nature of impermanence, we're in for a rough ride through this existence. Because to see continuity in change is madness. To hold on to what goes is foolishness. To imagine perpetuation in that which is subject to conditions of arising and passing generates enormous problems for each and every one of us. But it's only another feature of the teachings. Sometimes people begin to think that the teachings is um, simply heart practice. And we know the Dharma community has, um, and, the, and the teachers, and from the response from the Sangha, and I can remember uh, uh, this one that used to do the merry-go-round or the not-so-merry-go-round. Oh, insight meditation, oh, vipassana, it's too dry. This was the word. I never understood dry meditation. But anyway, too dry. It's very dry. So, teacher says, okay, we'll make it wet. And, <laughs> and uh, the methodology for this was um, to introduce metta. And... Uh, <laughs> And so instead of the teachings being so uh, dry, loving-kindness um, and heartfulness and warm, warm feelings, and they too, of course, are very, a very, very important and very significant uh, uh, practice. In a world where there's so much negativity and anger, so much revenge, so much resentment, 
towards uh, others. It's a wonderful and transformative practice to uh, uh, work diligently with the heart and to really apply and practice kindness in areas where we never even believed we could possibly be kind. But I say, and I'd say again, of course, obviously, if it would be a disservice, a disservice, I would say, disservice to the Dharma if we reduced it down to being mindful human beings who observe impermanence and um, develop some uh, um, metta for the good, the bad and the ugly. It would be an extraordinary uh, restrictive uh, view of what the teachings uh, are about. And as I say, one has to be watchful that one doesn't kind of gradually, insidiously slide into that and then that ends up as the triple gem of the Dharma. <laughs> and there's, there's dangers for it. There's dangers uh, 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 for that. So in, in that, that, that respect, sometimes in the, the great jewels of the, of the teachings, I think it is important and significant for, as the teachings remind us regularly, to engage in some uh, reflection on these things. And one simple reflection in the great jewels of life, of awakening, of the Dharma itself, and of the Sangha, the contact with like-minded people, simply here at Spirit Rock, what has been achieved and continues to be achieved through the Sangha, through the, the, men, the men and women of uh, practice. And when we uh, here, I remember the meetings that we had in, in um, uh, Shada and I and other teachers uh, at uh, Spirit Rock. It must be a good 10 or 12 years ago when the first uh, strong urges were being uh, put out to find a suitable uh, facility. Yeah. And concerns about um, um, would it be possible? Would the Sangha really be uh, interested? And the amount of um, money that would be raised. And I, th I think at, at that time, any of the teachers, any of the Sangha had thought just how much money needed to be uh, 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 raised. We would have all gone to bed at night and put our head under the pillow. And yet, during a rather long uh, journey and decade, there's been extraordinary commitment. Extraordinary commitment. I believe in terms of buildings and land and all there, that somewhere in the region of about $8 million in donations have been given to make all of this possible. Not to buy a piece of it, not to own it, not to have a little um, summer room for one's retirement. No, no, it was given. And it was given for the most part by people of very dedicated uh, practice who have great love of the Dharma and teachings and people who say the vision for it all really, really matters. And every single dollar which has been given over the years now is towards that. So if you say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, it means very, very simply and very uh, straightforwardly with regard to that Every single dollar for this facility was given for one primary reason, and that is for the enlightenment of a human being, the complete 
full enlightenment and liberation of the human being. Nothing else. Anything else which may be an important stepping stone to that and very important ones, such as those areas that I just referred uh, to, are to be acknowledged and recognized as stepping stones to that. And that, in a way, we, in that way, I do believe, honestly, we pay the best respect and the greatest kindnesses to many people, including people in this hall here, who have given to enable people to understand what an enlightened life truly is in every facet and every phase uh, of it for the welfare of all people, all beings, and the earth itself. And in that respect, we hope that the uh, Spirit Rock, the center uh, itself, and all that goes with it, will be, as it, it has been for years, a real powerhouse for that kind of focus and that kind of priority. Because as the Buddha said, magnificent statement, he said in life, never be satisfied with anything less than the best. And what is the best? Complete enlightenment. Never, never be any satisfied with anything else uh, other than that. And the teachings which keep pointing and contributing uh, to that matter, of course, uh, a, great, a great deal. Sometimes it can seem rough. The old text Buddha said, there in the Dharma and in the teachings, he said there are four kinds of people in uh, working for, to understand the nature of liberation and, and what a free life is. One kind of person is the kind of, is the person who goes easily and quickly. There are people in our Sangha who remarkably and beautifully have traveled easily and quickly and know uh, the taste of what a, a genuinely free life is and the benefits of it uh, for oneself and others. Then he says there's another kind of person. A second kind of person travels quickly, but painfully. Quickly, but it's difficult. The third kind of person travels slowly, but easily. Slowly, but happily. And then, <laughs> and then, the fourth kind. Immediately, 50% of the Sangha jump into this category. <laughs> People who travel say, travel slowly and painfully. <laughs> slowly and it's difficult. Yeah. But, wonderful thing about insights, can seem very slow, very slow, slow journey. One insight, one discovery, one opening, one realization can change everything just like that. And suddenly, slow is immediate. Sl suddenly, a long journey and a very long, arduous path, and there's a knowing in a sense, one is very much on the edge of the completion of it. One insight can do that. So, even though we may have a view that it's going slowly, just as I'm sure you had with the actual spirit rock here, 
Some of us had the terrifying thought we might have to be reborn to ever see this place finished. <laughs> but nevertheless, out of immense kindness for us, people got it together to save, so we could let go of this terrible thought. <laughs> and so as I say, some people feel it goes slowly and sometimes there's sudden insight and never under underestimate the, the potency of that. Reminds me of an extraordinary story which I hadn't heard from uh, uh, Shada. And this was just um, Monday evening, yesterday morning, in fact. Was it yesterday, wasn't it? Um, it, it was the, um, the story she was told. Uh, Shada, uh, I think perhaps of all, of all the teachers, um, has to be one of the uh, um, most homeless and most travelled of the of the uh, uh, teachers, it's Canada one day and it's New Zealand the next and India the next and England the next and the West Coast and the East Coast and it it it, it gets me out of breath. And uh, <laughs> so, on a visit to Canada, she was told of a uh, Chinese what was the name of the a, ch a Chinese bamboo tree. Now I never heard this uh, story before. And apparently, the Chinese bamboo tree grows incredibly slowly. This is you know, the fourth kind of person here that goes incredibly <laughs> slowly. And possibly four or five years, one can hardly notice or see any actual change. It's growing, but one does, just doesn't notice anything. And then suddenly, and this is found quite breathtaking, eh? Oh, yeah, um, Shada's, um, um, you know, fe feeding me along, giving me the sound bites. <laughs> and, and apparently, the, the roots are taking place and it's getting grounded, would this be right? And, it, and, and it's getting established, but one can't see that this is actually going on. And then after four or five years, it actually goes from just this and within a year or so, it's 80 feet high. Can you imagine? Hardly anything there, and suddenly it's 80 feet high. Well, you may not know this, <laughs> but at IMS, which has been established for some time, there are people over there 80 feet high. <laughs> it, it gives... It gives a whole new meaning, what it is to outgrow a place. <laughs> oh, I had to get that way. No, no, anyway. <laughs> so sometimes, as I say, the, the consciousness here, the important factor here, the consciousness doesn't always know it can't always sense, it can't always tell or access or experience what is taking place through the process of teachings, practices and meditations in the whole of the being. And we have lost count, therefore, of the number of people who have come on retreats and who have said to us, Oh, Christopher, Shada, I've done... Uh, uh, a number of treats with you or other, other teachers, and, and frankly, I hear all this about being mindful. I hear all this about samadhi. I, 
no idea uh, what it means. I have no experience of this. It, it's just another one of those dreadful Eastern words. And uh, um, I can't sit still. I think about nothing else but food. <laughs> and I hear all these experiences in the small groups and in the inquiry, uh, etc. And honestly, I'm either totally out to lunch or looking forward to it, and that's it. <laughs> and, and, and that's all I know. Do you think I should do another retreat? <laughs> <laughs> and what is remarkable in uh, uh, all, all, all of this that's going on, that in fact, same person will say, you know, the teachings and practices, even though my mind wanders and chatters and it's hardly focused or whatever, genuinely has, it, has, has and continues to have a very profound influence on my life. I can't explain it. I don't seem to have, in the retreats certainly, or in the one-day workshops, any, anything to report of any significance uh, whatsoever. <laughs> Now, nothing has happened to me which uh, I would dare tell you about. <laughs> and yet, nevertheless, the benefits are there. Never, nevertheless, I want to give support to the Sangha. Nevertheless, I want to give support to the teachings. Something mysterious goes on in silence, in the community of men and women being and sharing the moment together. Something which is perhaps a little bit out of all of our reach in terms of really comprehending. I put all of that uh, into uh, 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 a, a context, and a, a context of uh, stillness, a context of silence, a context of uh, ex exploration. And in that re re respect, it, I just wanted to make a, a, a very, very, very uh, Huge thank you, huge thank you to uh, each and every uh, one of you, to each and uh, every person in the Sangha, to all the staff and the teachers and countless uh, other people who have worked so diligently to make this happen. And some of them, of course, that we know and have known, never did see the fulfillment. They've passed, they've died, they've, and the actuality is that we are, in many ways, the genuine beneficiaries. And again, to express um, a real heartfelt gratitude to all of those people who never had the opportunity to come to the hall here and say, wow, all the efforts were so absolutely worthwhile. All the sacrifice, all the giving up, all, all the time and uh, all the money and all the generosity Absolutely, absolutely worthwhile. And I think that is just wonderful. Just wonderful. What could be better? Also, to, of course, to uh, welcome uh, uh, each and every one of you. It's an uh, absolute delight for, uh, and for us to have Andrew. Andrew gets uh, teaching uh, with us uh, here again. And the three of us were uh, teaching uh, together at uh, Santa Rosa, which uh, served us so 
well the, uh, uh, the convent uh, there. Um, Andrew and I have been uh, uh, very good uh, Dharma friends, um, going back to the beginning of the uh, 80s, and uh, he was a, a manager for our earliest uh, retreat uh, center, and also uh, in uh, Budgaya as well, and um, like myself, has known the life of uh, uh, the shaven head, and as my mother said, uh, red curtains. And uh, <laughs> true. And uh, we also have a common teacher as well. Uh, one of our teachers, uh, um, Ajahn uh, Buddhadasa, who I uh, regard, and of course I would say this as the uh, uh, greatest Dharma teacher of the 20th century, but of course as a student I'm bound to say uh, uh, that. And uh, so Andrew and Chandra and I teaching here uh, together again, and it's uh, of course uh, such a delight and a joy to uh, be uh, here. And the three of us uh, next year are uh, teaching at uh, the Insight Meditation Center in Barrie in uh, Western uh, Massachusetts. And that retreat, Shadra and I just finished uh, yesterday morning. So uh, they, the two of them will uh, speak to you for uh, uh, a, little, a little while about the practice, about uh, the ethical guidelines that give support to all of us and uh, the benefits of uh, the silence. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.